Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop of culture. Sherlock, sure Listen. 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 Very good, Ben. Sure, look, Ben, this week we've got loads to look at. Don't we only have a new trailer for He-Man, Ben? He's back. He's coming back. He's got all this power. Also, Ben, <laughs> there's lots of casting. Some casting news, which is very exciting, and some casting news, which has upset you. Then, Benjamin... Oh, fuck off! Then, Benjamin, you've had a look at something called Tresse, and I don't even know what that is, so uh. that's exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. And then... We're going to have a, a real in-depth, niggly look at episode one of the new series, Ben, Lockie. Lockie, very good. So listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, and we're also isn't. going to be taking a look at... It isn't, it isn't, because we do a 50-minute podcast, Michael, and it actually takes quite a bit to fill it up. So listen, so listen, we're yes. going to be taking a look at Critics on the Seesaw, Michael, the changing face of criticism in the digital world, and how mm. it shifted from back in the day as a moral practice to a bloody everyone has an opinion practice. It's going to be Everyone's a Michael. critic, Ben. Everyone's a critic now. And that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Or is it? Or is it? Or isn't it? Hmm? Ben, you know uh, who doesn't care what the critics think about him? Uh, you. Prince Adam of Eternia. Prince Adam of Eternia. Yeah. He's a big hefty boy hitting the gym, doing a flex. He's like, I could beat up critics. I don't give a crap. I know now, Ben, that's not the attitude that He-Man would take. It is, absolutely. He's a roided out machine and he needs to be stopped, Michael. He's an elitist with power behind him, both in terms of triceps and in terms of actual monarchy. <laughs> Benjamin, is triceps your, your idea of the most powerful muscle? Have you ever seen the tricep flexes, Michael? They're big and strong. They're big, scary things. Have you ever seen like, the big tricep <laughs> muscle just locked yeah, yeah. in there? That yeah, thing yeah. is terrifying, Michael. Are you talking about Prince Adam then or just muscly, muscly just, men? <laughs> just muscular men in general, just, Michael. You're, just generally, you're generally frightened of muscular men's triceps. That's a revelation, Ben. Have you ever seen a bodybuilder carrying a briefcase, Michael? Fucking terrifying. You know what's in that briefcase, Ben? Bricks. <laughs> <laughs> Leaden bricks. <laughs> Bodybuilders can't read, Ben. They don't have documents. Everybody was, knows that. One of my one of my favorite movements from the Victorian era, uh, Michael, was muscular Christianity, and Go it was on. a it was a branch of Christianity that um, that really extolled the virtues of of weightlifting and fitness as a way to yeah as a way to to you know honor Christ and stuff like that. But a lot of people back in the day, Michael, if they were devout followers of muscular Christianity, would walk everywhere with two dumbbells. Oh, very good. Uh, so you might be walking around London and you just see a very well-dressed man strolling around London with a couple of <laughs> dumbbells in his arms. And what these people would do is they would literally put down the dumbbells when they were chatting to somebody and pick them back up when they went on their walk. And it was a way to constantly kind of bear Christ in mind. Now, isn't that mental? And Ben, is that in a kind of self-flagellation way or in a kind of flex way? Like like the men who walk around town with imaginary watermelons under their arms. Oh, I, li- I, like, the, I like the pigeon walk. The pigeon walk is very entertaining to me. The, the da, da, da. That's the music I imagine they have in their head as they're going. It's like... Now, Benjamin. It's good. What has any of this got to do with the new He-Man series from Kevin Smith on Netflix? He-Man carries two little dumbbells everywhere he goes. That's how Prince Adam keeps in such excellent shape. But Benjamin, um, Prince Adam isn't in particularly notable shape until he goes, I have the power, and then he becomes He-Man. 
and he sticks a bunch of roids in his arm. Yeah, look, He-Man's back, Michael. And the, the trailer is very bold because it says, after 40 years. Um, I don't know what that means because there has been He-Man shows in between the yeah, original yeah, yeah. run of He-Man. And I think, I think this might be a continuation of the original run of He-Man. Is that what Which they're getting seems- which seems mental, Ben, because the 80s cartoons weren't very canonically straightforward, were they? Or good, Michael. Or good, and yeah. No, they th- weren't very good. <laughs> that'll get me in lots of trouble with devout He-Man fans who carry little Eternia swords around with them everywhere they go. But, like, yeah, that seems to be what he's getting at. Kevin Smith seems to think that he is the saviour of He-Man. Um, well, I don't know, Ben. That's a bit of a leap. It's too late. It? I've, I've put it out there into the into the world now. And uh, this, is, this is all hubris and it's a, a monarchist, elitist, uh, bloody glorification and I'll have none of it. Um, Benjamin, suppose- Kevin Smith tends to have a bit of a nuanced look at things. Does he? Yeah, there's uh, sometimes a bit too much sexual assault, but he yeah. does tend to have a bit of a nuanced look. I can't imagine Kevin Smith being a monarchist. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and watch He-Man Revelations to, to yeah, figure that out. He took your mates, the Catholic Church, down a notch or two in Dogma. He did. He did. It's funny. I was just discussing um, earlier on the the fact that Dogma isn't on streaming services because the rights have lapsed oh. um, from the L. Weinstein boys, and he hasn't been able to get his hands um, back on those rights to let them be taken by any streaming service. You can't see Dogma anywhere, and it's out of print on DVD, and it hasn't been given a Blu-ray release, which we... means that. Go on. No, we talked about Dogma a few months ago, Ben, and we had this exact problem. Yes, we did. And it's very interesting, Michael, because it hasn't oh, yeah. been resolved. <laughs> it hasn't been resolved. It's nowhere to be seen. Luckily, Ben, I have a DVD copy of the damn thing. So do I. So there you go. We're bloody... I suppose that makes us uber Kevin Smith Two fans. Kevin and I don't Smith really like boys. that. Benjamin. I don't like that. Yeah. For all you're giving out, the animation is spectacular. The animation... Oh, very smooth, Michael. Very smooth. So many frames. Such frame rate. <laughs> so many of them. Benjamin, the animation is probably what people remember He-Man looking like when they were kids. Yeah, so it, it's a return to those original designs, I guess. Um, and one of the great criticisms of the relaunch of that series, which was really just a toy ploy, Michael. Ben. Uh, yeah. All cartoons are to sell toys. Well, I mean, look, you stay out of this, right? You stay out oh, of this action figure boy. That's what cartoons are for. You stay out of this action figure boy, okay? You just you just pick up your favourite toy there now and fidget with it while I'm while I'm having a little chitty chat. All that's right? flipping action figure man to you. <laughs> These action figures are made of leaden bricks, Ben, so that my triceps are always flexed when I'm playing with them. Excellent. He carries, if you see Mick around Dublin town, he's carrying two very heavy leaden action figures under his yeah. arms. Yeah, yeah. As he goes From around. the 80s. <laughs> From the 80s. You can't lick uh, them. They'll give you lead poisoning. You can't, can't be doing that. Don't do Don't that. Them. Don't lick them. That's not a good idea. Um... Look, what's happening here, Michael, is uh, they've really amped up the magic element of um, they've really ma- amped up the magic element of Eternia, and we seem to be getting an awful lot of Skeletor swinging a staff and opening up portals and having giant fists. Ben, that was my favorite moment. He does a portal and a big giant fist comes out. It's very good. Apparently, Skeletor constantly has a fist on hand. Yeah. Uh, to to take out He Man, and I, if I was if I was Skeletor, I would be hiding behind rocks. Waiting yes. for He-Man to appear from somewhere. And then I just open the portal above him and have a big old fist come down and yeah, smash him. He'd catch it, Ben. His he reactions probably, are too fast. Benjamin. He probably would. Yeah. It has your favourite actor in it. It does. It has Mark Hamill. Hmm. He's yeah. from Luke Skywalkers. Um, Mark Hamill is continuing his, his epic tradition, Michael, 
of voicing villains. <laughs> he's just, all the baddies. Like, all the baddies, because he's just got a great voice for it. Um, so we're going to get a Skeletor Joker. that sounds slightly like the Joker. Yeah. Skeletor. Um, the trickster. Yeah. Play the trickster as well. Luke Skeletor. Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. Noted villain, Luke Skywalker. Certainly in uh, the last films. Yeah, bloody grumpy old man. He killed all those kids, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's worse than Anakin. Benjamin. Yeah. I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it. The 2002 one started very well. I don't know if you ever watched it, but it was... I didn't. It was... It started incredibly well and looked very expensive and every episode got increasingly cheap looking to the point where it was like, mm, this isn't great anymore. So they obviously blew their budget on the early episodes. Uh, yeah, that, I think, I you know, start strong and finish weak and just terrible. You know, it's a, it's a classic Hollywood strategy. <laughs> um... I'm I'm very interested to see it, Michael. It looks like a slightly adult take on, on He-Man. Well, it's Kevin Smith, Ben. So someone has probably been sexually assaulted and that's their motivation. Yeah, I, I look forward to the first time that um, He-Man lifts the sword above his head and says, Schnoogans. That'll be, that'll be yeah, he might say interesting. I have the Schnoogans. Benjamin. Quiet now. Benjamin, <laughs> what's going on with Sandman? What's going on? <laughs> Michael, this has slipped by us completely. Um, Sandman. Ben, 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 Ben. Even though multiple people have told us about it. Even though multiple people <laughs> have uh, told us about it, including good friend of the podcast, Sean Northridge, who was very clear um, on how this went. Look, this thing's gone ahead, Michael. We got our behind the scenes look today. Neil Gaiman took us behind the scenes of the practical sets of the Sandman. Um, what? What, Michael? What? Um, it's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, you... And I are only really catching up to it now, but it's a, it's a, it's pretty much a who's who of British actors again. Oh, um, which is interesting. Hugh which Laurie. Is, uh, no, Hugh Laurie's not in, but Stephen Fry is. Oh, same, same difference, Ben. Same difference. Same difference. Um, Jane Doody Gench. Uh, she's not in it, Michael. Oh, no, she's not you, available. You, you got Maggie me there. Smith. Let's go through it, Michael, so that All I right. can't make a complete ass of myself. Maggie um, Smith, the so guy Tom who plays Botherington from the show Botherington. Tom Sturridge, Michael, is I've playing no, never uh, the eponymous Dream or Morpheus. Um, he is the Sandman. So uh, Tom Sturridge is—he's not a big, big actor, but he's a pretty big actor, and How he's got the he? right look. Um, I think he's about six something, six. Oh, one, that's pretty six big. Two, that's pretty big. Um, it's pretty big. But then we've got some interesting ones, Michael. And you know the internet's not too happy. Oh, you the know internet. the internet's not too happy Piss because Lucifer, yes, Lucifer is played by noted tall woman Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, Gwendolyn Christie playing Lucifer. That's very good. That's the right look. That's the. It's very much the right look, Michael. I think it's mm. spot on casting for an androgynous yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, multi being. Um, but and look, she's very tall, Ben. She's very tall. She's six five as a woman, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like and, that. And not as a woman, also, like just independent she's just of tall. being a woman. <laughs> yeah, independent <laughs> of being a woman, she's still six five, Ben. She's just tall. Um, big, big tall person. Th- then Michael, and here's yes. the real controversy. Oh, death has been cast by a, a woman of color, and it's Kirby Hell Baptiste. Um, oh, like Domino again. So, like Domino again, and like look. Michael, Michael, the internet is having a little grumble to itself. And you know ah, what? Classic Fuck them. internet. Fuck them. <laughs> it, um, is, it is interesting, Ben, that basically it seems the quickest way to get your character 
cast as a person of colour is have them be deathly white. <laughs> chalk white. Like, what is the chalkiest white? Name the two chalkiest whitest <laughs> characters you know and we'll have them played by black women and then that, everyone will lose their shit. That does seem to be the, the goal, Michael. That does seem there, to be the exact goal. Actually, you know what? And it's not just women either. So there's death, obviously. Yeah. Uh, there was Domino. Yeah. Who's chalk white in the comics. And, Correct. Uh, yeah, there was Death Death Circle. What's his oh, name? Oh, bloody Death, uh, Death Mark. Bloodshot. 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 Yeah, Bloodshot. Chalky White Death in the Mark comics. Death Mark was equally good, Michael. Yeah. You, could, you could equally call him Death Mark and it wouldn't make a difference. Chalky White in the comics. Vin Diesel in real life. That's uh, very interesting. <laughs> that is very interesting. Seems to be a thing going around. Uh, the Corinthian has been cast. That's Boyd Holbrook, who is American, actually, now that I... English. Oh, that's even worse, isn't it, Ben? Um, that's even worse. That's even worse, Michael. The uh, Corinthian now, was, wasn't the Corinthian the character an American character? Because the serial killer convention was in America. Exactly, Michael. So it's the uh, right yeah. choice. It's just the right choice. Ben, are there um, any other chalky white characters who could be replaced by people of colour? Uh, off the top of my head, Dracula could be played by Idris Elba. I'd watch that. Very good. Very good. Um, yes. I'd watch the fuck out of that. Asajj uh, Ventress, Ben. Who could play Asajj Ventress? Uh, I think Annie. Uh, oh no, who'd be a good Asajj Ventress though? Mm. Oh, that's a great question, Michael. Let's that's, cast. A, never mind. Let's get back on the thing. We'll get on. That, we'll get back onto that at some point. One of the controversies, Michael, is Jenna Coleman, and she's apparently going to be playing John Constantine. But there's a bit of controversy here as well, Michael. She's not playing John Constantine. She's playing Joanna Constantine. Oh, is that um, his daughter? Joanna. No, Joanna Constantine is an ancestor. Um, who's had of of the Constantine family? She's uh, she's from the seventeenth century, I think, um, right, and she's right, no right. good. She's not a good person. Where she's a bad egg. where John Constantine constantly tries to do good and fails, uh, Joanna Constantine constantly does bad and is quite good at it. Um, mm. So that's that's pretty interesting. Now there's a little bit of debate on whether she's going to play John Constantine. I don't see why she would. Um, but hey, what difference does it make? But it says here Joanna Constantine did. But on Google, if you if you type in Sandman Casting, it says John Constantine, Michael. So that's oh. interesting. That's interesting. So there's a little bit of debate there, mostly on this podcast, but Benjamin, I'm sure it is yeah. actually Joanna Constantine. <laughs> mostly on this podcast and mostly in the last few minutes. I suppose Harley <laughs> Quinn is pasty white, but she wasn't replaced by the person of colour. You absolutely could, though, because it is grease paint in the case oh, of yeah, Harley yeah. Quinn. Harley so Quinn just... is yeah, easy peasy. Easy peasy. <laughs> like, Benjamin. Yeah. Um, I don't understand. I mean, obviously, I... Well, I don't agree with it. I do generally understand the complaints of people who don't like their their beloved characters being reimagined. Um, Some of them, Ben, don't like their beloved characters being reimagined in any way, shape or form. Some are racists, Ben, and they're so, bad eggs, so, and they should so, go in the fire. Some are just racist. Just some are just racist. racist, Ben. You know, we talk about this all the time. Some people just, you know, they don't like adaptation. And, you know, fair enough. They... They would be just as unhappy um, with uh, a new costume or a new attitude yeah. for their favourite character. The same people... Ben, you could hardly argue that the people who hated Keanu Reeves as Constantine were racists. No, they were just... They were just moany. They, they just did... Well, Ben, did you think John Const- Keanu Reeves was a good John Constantine? That's not a Constantine movie, Michael. It's, it's, it is. It's called it's, John... No, no, His name is no, John no, Constantine. No, no, but it's, it's in, in everything... But name, it's a completely different type of film. It's just not the but same. Yes, type and, of and film. but that is that is exactly what the Constantine fans were ar- angry. Yeah, with. I suppose that's so true. It's it's 
it's it it would be it would be unbecoming of us Ben to lump people who think it's the wrong artistic choice in with the racists oh, while well, also Ben making sure that we put the racists straight in the bin and then roll that bin down a hill into the fire right in the racist bin put them in get in the racist bin get in the racist bin um, um, but 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 a big row of butts Ben like uh, Miss <laughs> Universe um, but Jesus yeah they get rid of that as well while we're at it yeah. Benjamin. Um, right in the misogyny a big, bin. A big row of butts, Ben. I don't get why anyone would complain about, of all things, Sandman. Because Sandman has always been very fluid in yep. not only its depiction of characters, but their genders, their sexuality, their appearance, their appearance over time. Like, of all the things to be butthurt about, Ben. This ain't one. This isn't the one. This is the one um, where you let it go, because that's the whole point. Like we've we've seen we've seen Black Morpheus we've seen Cat Morpheus we've seen bloody uh, Fairy Morpheus yeah. we've seen Crow Morpheus we've seen Mor- Sexy Man Lucifer we've seen Sexy Lady Lucifer we've seen Sexy Androgynous Lucifer you, you can have whatever you want in 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 whatever that show's called I think that was one of the the early like well established um, things about. Uh, the Sandman universe is that those beings are generally perceived in the form that your culture dictates. Hmm, they're very um, fluid. They're very fluid. Uh, they and were, so they were fluid, Ben, long before gender fluid was a term that people used. Yes, and that was a very Neil Gaiman thing to do. He was like, "Oh, hmm. we're all a little bit of everything," and that seemed to be a real defining characteristic of some of those early comics. I mean, it was done very, very well in Sandman, and in other cases like The Invisibles, not so well. But still, that kind of chaotic spirit of, I can be this, I can be that, I can be a little bit of this, sprinkle a little bit of that in there, uh, and it's absolutely fine. So I I see nothing wrong, Michael, with casting a woman of colour as death. Um, I'm kind of like... Now, that being said, Michael, back in the day, if you'd had 15-year-old Ben on this podcast, it would have lasted three episodes, because I would have been there going, and I would have had a little fit. Um, but with 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 the hindsight, your, medi- your medication has improved in many ways. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty rigorous uh, re- regimen of of medication, and it's done wonders. Michael, science has um, helped. Science has helped. <laughs> Go on. Benjamin, in much less controversial <laughs> casting news, Jamelia Demille is in uh, the, Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Television's She Hulk show. Do you know what, Michael? I'm not excited for that show in the least. <laughs> I can't believe it's happening, Ben. It's such a bizarre thing to happen. She's already um, playing Titania, Ben, your favourite giantess after Gwendolyn Christie. I don't know who Titania is. Who's Titania? She's a red-headed lady who becomes big. Oh, I do know Titania. Okay. You, you would often see her, Ben, teamed up with Crusher Creel, a.k.a. Oh. The Absorbing Man. I'd like to see both of them in the She-Hulk show. I would watch the crap out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, Jamila Jamil's in it. That's going to be good, isn't it? Jamila Jamil's She's generally enjoyable. Good. Yeah. yeah. She's going she's... to be a baddie, Ben. She's going to be a baddie. We also got news that we might have Scar, um, son of the Hulk, in the She-Hulk series, though that's a rumour. Um, I enjoy that. And of course, people were like, uh, how is that possible? He was on Sakaar. He was a gladiator champion. We oh, yeah. saw women get out of his bed. That's how yeah, that happened. Um, and it, I suppose if you wanted to be really on the nose, Sakaar is a, a fucking stone's throw from Scar. So you may as well, you know, get that on board. Right? Right? Yeah. Ben, um, what's this program you watched? 
Oh yeah, so Michael, two things came out on uh, two things came out on streaming this week that I have I have cast my eyeballs over. One is pretty interesting, Michael. Well, no, both are interesting. Let's be honest here, Michael. It's Tresse from Netflix. So Netflix has started up their ben. own anime division. Ben, yes, I think it's pronounced Tracy. No, it's not. It's Tresse. <laughs> I promise okay. you, it's Tresse. Okay. Uh, and it's named after the the lead character who is Alexandra Tresse, and it's set in Manila in the Philippines. Um, and it's oh. based on a pretty popular manga from the Philippines um, of the same name. And then Netflix a manga, a manga, yeah, from the Philippines, from the Philippines, Michael. But mangas are from Japan. Yes. What will they think of next? Um, crazy times. So Alexander Trece, I suppose, is a bit of a, a Filipino Dylan dog. Um, Local one. She's a uh, yeah. You're always calling people a Dylan dog from a particular country, but that's because it's a very solid uh, archetype. Go on. He's he's kind of a, a trendsetter there. Arguably, um, Keanu Reeves in bloody 2000s Constantine is the same thing. He's a bloody <laughs> American Dylan dog. Um, right, right, right. But anyway. Uh, she plays what's called. She uh, embodies the role of what's called a Lacan. Oh, and Lacan Lincoln, is uh, no a Lacan, uh, and the Lacan is the embodiment, or sorry, the bridge between the supernatural world and the human world. Um, and what we're exposed to in this show, Michael, is a, a huge range of Filipino mythology and folklore, um, and we get to meet different creatures um, from Filipino mythology, and it's a uh, it's a really different perspective it's not one that i had any experience of benjamin um, yeah go on i wouldn't be able to tell you a lot about filipino mythology no neither would i Mike. i can now we can tell you a bit more go on, um, then. what's anyway, going on over there so uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of really cool kind of uh tribal divisions and things like that they have a race of of horsemen kind of like centaurs but if they were more horsey um, oh. they they've got aswangs which are like uh, filipino vampires Ben, I'm going to uh, stop you there for a second. Go on. Did you say ass wangs? <laughs> I did, yeah. The word ass and then the word wang. <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. This is very culturally inappropriate, Michael. You need to reel it back in, buddy. It's ass wang, though. That's the word. Look, my pronunciation could be a fraction off, but it is pretty solid. Very good. Okay, please carry on. Tell um, me more about ass wangs, Ben. So you get exposed to the idea of their, uh, their form of goblins. They have a whole race of mushroom people. Uh, friendly spirits who are mushroom people and stuff like that um, but they don't shy away from all the bloody stuff of um, of Filipino mythology they have their own goddess of death called Erebu er- Erebu um, she's kind of a character in it sometimes it's a pretty interesting show Michael over like from a from an action point of view it's a little bit um, it's a little bit exposition heavy here and there but they're trying to fill in huge chunks of Filipino mythology as they go along, so it's it's understandable. They could What's spend it about Ben. What's uh, it about? So, uh, Alexander Trese is the next in the line of Lacans, um, and there have been accords put in place by her father to keep the balance between the supernatural realm and the human oh. realm. Um, so basically, humans aren't preyed on left, right, and center, and eaten and destroyed. It's and, Lost uh, Girl. Uh, what's that, Michael? Lost Girl was the Canadian TV series about the woman who was the bridge between the supernatural world and the human world. Oh, okay. And the fragile treaty that was in place between the various supernatural factions to leave humans alone. Yep, so that's it. That's, you got it. That's... Is that, okay, right. That's what you're looking at. It's a pretty... It's a pretty common trope. uh, It is a pretty common trope. But um, this one is, is sort of interesting. The animation is a little bit cheap here and there. Oh, no. 
Um, but it is an enjoyable show. The voice acting makes up for it. Um, you really invest in the characters and they feel like real people here and there. You get kind of a good sense of Filipino society, what's correct, what's not correct, what it's what's valued in the society. Um, one of the unusual things is that these supernatural creatures all seem to live alongside humans. So this is a Manila that accepts that there are supernatural creatures. She's not working in the shadows. Like she's called in by police officers to take a look. Um, mm. And it's her job to maintain that peace. And it, it kind of takes the form of a crime a week or a crime of the week kind of thing. And in, in kind of classic television ser- um, style, it, it builds to a much deeper mystery as oh. we move towards the final episodes. They always do. Um, ben, it sounds a little bit like Watch Out, Will Smith, There's Ogres. Watch out, Will Smith. There's ogres. Yeah, it's a bit like Brightburn, Michael. That's it's not a, a bad, that's much it wasn't better name. Oh, it's just called Bright. It's just called Bright. Yeah, yeah that's oh, what it's uh, Brightburn is the one. The other one, the evil Superman the kid. Evil Superman kid. Um, so uh, the only thing that lets this down, Michael, I think, is probably the the two dimensionality of it. They they don't seem for me. They don't ben. spend. Yeah. Ben, it's a cartoon. All cartoons <laughs> are uh, That's fair. I meant in terms of characterization, I would say oh. that Alexander Tresse suffers from the strong woman uh, who can't be kept down. She's not really given a lot of dimension. She's just a, a tough lady who oh, doesn't we'll fail. To, we'll get to that later, Ben. Um, will we? Well, this yes. Is, what's that? This is in our whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, our whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, She's just a a tough lady who doesn't fail. And I think the character's a little bit um, weaker for it. There's no real humor in the show. I think it could probably use a little little nudge in that direction. Um, It could probably use a little bit of of fun, a little bit of a Marvel treatment here and there. But overall, Michael, well worth a watch. Purely for the experience of seeing a bunch of Filipino mythology brought to life. Watch out for them ass wanks. Benjamin, how how many episodes are there and how long are they? There are six episodes and they're about 30 minutes each. No, that's not a lot of time for me to invest. No, no, you could you could happily sit there and do that. Um it's the latest it's the latest in Netflix's line of um their anime kind of department. So we've had Castlevania, we've had Blood of Zeus, now we've got Tresse. Um from the little bit I've read online, the Filipino community is incredibly excited. Oh, um, to see one of their very popular kind of comic books brought to life and to see a little bit of Filipino representation on screen. How excitement, Ben. Benjamin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's do a big old dirty spoiler warning for the Marvel television program, Loki. It's spoilers, spoilers. Hiddleston's at it, at it again. He's got no shirt on this time. He's got no shirt on, spoilers. Um... So, Michael, we've had the audacity, mm-hmm. we've had the timidity, and now we've got the <laughs> fuckery. Um, What's going on, Ben? <laughs> the fuckery. Um, so this is... Oh, Michael, I was very excited this week, because this show was coming out, and I was very much on board for it. Um, You're very much, Ben, a Hiddlestan. I'm, I am a Hiddlestan, um, mm. in, in every sense of the word, Michael. Yeah, I've got a Tony big Hiddlestan. On. Tony Hiddlestan. Yeah. That's, that's, Jesus Christ. Um, Anyway, June 9th. Yes. The Wednesday just passed, for anyone listening to this episode, uh, saw the premiere of Loki on Disney+. Um, And Michael, what interest. What What interest and intrigue, Ben. What a tumbling of the Marvel Universe. Oh, Ben. What's going on? They've just undermined their entire phase one, two, and three. Yeah. 
All that shit. Remember all that shit? Irrelevant. Doesn't matter. That was all local bullshit. And I love it because people are losing their fucking minds about it, Michael. They're so some people are so upset um by the revelation that uh, well let's let's jump in. Loki the 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 variant Loki is the Loki yes. that we saw escape at the end of Endgame with Tesseract. Yes. He's um, like, I'm out of here. So the Loki that we're dealing with here is not really the Loki we've come to know and love. It's Loki before any kind of growth, experience, or remorse. Right. I'm going to cut across you, Ben. And Go you're going to have to accept my apologies for this. That's okay. But that, I thought, was one of the most interesting and intriguing issues and things that happen in this episode. So Go on. the Loki that we all know and love, Ben... Yeah. He's had six films of character development. He has. So he got beaten up at the end of Endgame. No, not Endgame. He got beaten up at the end of... Avengers. Avengers, yes. That famous film, Avengers. He got beaten up. He got taken to jail in yeah. Thor, the worst Thor. But yes. the Thor, which seemingly was the crux around which the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe revolves because it keeps coming back to the dark world. Yeah. Every single flashback in every film just goes back to the dark world. Who knew that such a boring film was so pivotal, Ben? Not me. So he developed in the dark world, Ben. Yeah. Then he got further development in Ragnarok. Yes. And finally, his his, ma- his, his end in and his like last... Sprig of development in Infinity War. Yeah, so his his redemption arc is kicked off by the death of Frigga. Frigga, his mother, which he accidentally causes. Um, And, Ben, we have witnessed him over nine years, over five films in nine years, develop. As a character. As a character, right? And then we go back, and he's going to be the lead of this show, but he's yeah. a snivelly, slimy, eye-pokey, evil, horrible Loki from 2012. And they tried the... to wreck on that pretty quickly, Michael. <laughs> that is the, the crux of this entire episode is sit yourself down there, Loki, now. We've got the Marvels. We've got the DVDs. Sit yourself down there <laughs> and catch yourself up with your own character development. Quick as you like. Quick as you like. Ten minutes. If you could, please. If you could just stick that in the eyeballs and leave yeah. them both in. Huh? Leave them huh? both in, you son of a bitch. Um, and and then, Ben, by the end of it, we are to believe, all right, we're caught up. This is the Loki we know. So, uh, Michael, I, I think that argument is very solid and I think it's it's a little bit... I My least favourite scene, Michael, was the slideshow. Um, right, right. The, the sitting down... Um, and the slideshow. I think it's very sneaky to say that, no, I don't actually enjoy hurting people. It's all an act, and I've suddenly realised that, and Mm, I I mm. think that's a little bit lazy. What I do think is going to happen, though, Michael, and my favourite part of this is I think he's still slimy, snivelly Loki, because there's a very key line to this, Michael, and it's to do with the Infinity Stones. So, the Tesseract is taken off and by a member of the admin staff. Clarence, I think. Clarence, I think, is his name, which is a weird callback to um, It's a Wonderful Life. I think that's probably going to be... He's going to be a little conscience bugbear. If that, if that even is his name, Ben, it's a good chance um, it's not. I've decided that it's Clarence now, so All we're right, going to keep All that. Right. Um, so we find out, Michael, Loki pulls a classic bit of trickery, which I quite enjoyed watching, um, and he slips on out of there. Uh, Michael, and he goes to explore the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, which is a huge retro 1960s style bureaucracy. 
Yeah. The um, only thing missing, Ben, is the stench of cigarettes. That's that's it. We just don't put cigarettes on TV anymore. But if yeah. we did, they'd <laughs> be in the TVA. Everyone would be smoking cigarettes at their desk in the TVA. Yeah, it's like uh, Mad Men, middle class Mad Men um, mm. without the cigarettes. So he goes in to try and get the Tesseract back and he finds a whole bunch of Infinity Stones in the drawers of one probably not named Clarence. Mm. And he has the realization, he says, oh, some of these people uh, use them as paperweights, you know, sometimes. And everybody, Michael, has lost their minds on this. He's like, what do you mean? They're the most powerful force in the universe. Yes, that universe but if you take them out of that and put them in a weird interdimensional bloody bureaucracy they're probably not that powerful they're just my stones my favorite line michael is the the line where he says is this the greatest power in the universe Mm. and he's staring up at the big tva board and i think loki fully intends to take control of the tva oh yeah um, and that's what makes me think that he hasn't had his complete character reversal. What we might see here, Michael, is character development over the course of a series. But I think he's playing Owen Wilson like a fiddle, Michael. Mm. Um, I'm not certain he's not acting the the old Mickaroonie. Um, but remember, Ben, that Owen Wilson says that to him. Owen Wilson says, you're going to have to weasel in with us if you want to take over here too. So Owen Wilson is maybe playing him like a fiddle. I mean, it, there's a lot of fiddle playing, Michael. It's, it's so it's, much fiddling. It's basically a fla. It's mad. Um, there's a fla kyol going on, Ben. Everyone's getting fiddled. On. Benjamin. Very niche Irish reference there for anyone who isn't from Ireland. It's about half the <laughs> listeners, Ben, are going to go, what the hell is a fla kyol? But <laughs> maybe they'll look it up, Ben, and then maybe they'll come to Ireland and they'll go to a fla kyol and they'll be um, like, this is grand. And we'll be the men responsible for revitalizing the fla in 2021. I think the, fl- the fla's doing all right. Benjamin. Probably. <laughs> It looks so expensive. Oh, Michael, the budget, the budget. This it is where the budget like for bloody. This is where the budget for bloody one division went. This is the bloody budget for where Falcon and the Winter Soldier went. This is much more high grade than Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Michael. Well, Benjamin, I disagree with you there because Falcon okay. and the Winter Soldier very much looks like Captain America: Civil War. It very much looks like True. Captain America. Like that. That's where Falcon and the, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the closest to being set in the real normal world of yes, the three shows, fair. and it very much looks like it's set in the real normal world, yeah, as it should. Whereas this looks like it's set in a world which is a step of weirdness above even Thor Ragnarok. Anything that we've come across, Michael, mm. in the Marvel mm. Universe. This is odd as shit. There's um, all sorts of mad shit going on, Ben. Yeah, it's a bit mental. It's a bit mental. One of my, my favourite moments, Michael, is where, uh, as Owen Wilson introduces himself as Agent Mobius, we get to look out at a very Mobius scene. Um, mm. For any big comic book fans, Mobius used to draw these mad kind of technoscapes. Um, he's a French artist, and he used to draw these big, mad uh, technoscapes. I think and, he still does. Is he dead? Uh, he's dead, yeah. Mobius is oh, dead. Is he dead? Okay, um, he can't draw any more of it. But yeah, we look out and we see a big giant bloody thing. And my the, the part, Michael, I'd say that's going to really, you know, really scorch some people's buns is the fact that he says, what magic is this? And Owen Wilson's like, oh, it's not magic. Yeah. There's, there's no magic here. No magic. And it's like, wait, what? What? Like, because we, I remember we had that incident with, with um, Asgard where they were like, oh, you think it's magic, but it's just very advanced technology, says mm-hmm. Thor. Um, but now we find out that there's another layer of bloody magic that even Asgardians can't understand. They're like, oh, oh my. Everything's magic. Benjamin. Yes. What do you think? How 
is the fandom, Ben. How are we going to ruin this? In uh, the same way we ruined um, WandaVision by looking for Mephisto everywhere and then being upset by the the relative low-key finale. And the same way we kind of ruined Falcon and the Winter Soldier by overanalyzing the budget problems and the the the, the production problems caused by the by the, the coronavirus. How are we going to ruin this? Are we going to ruin this by too high expectations? Are we going to expect this to be earth shattering? Because I've already heard, Ben, the entire plot of Doctor Strange 2, the multiverse of madness, is going to spin out of this. I've also heard that the Spider-Man universe is going to spin out of this. I'm hearing, Ben, everything is going to spin out of this. And to me, as a man on the street, Ben, with leaden action figures in my hands doing a flex, doing a flex, it doesn't make sense to have Doctor Strange 2, the multiverse of madness, spin out of this because you don't want to have to assume that all of your audience for a big blockbuster film has seen a TV show. Yeah, that's a terrible plan. Um, terrible, terrible strategy. I well, I think that number one is how we're going to be disappointed. I think this is the Loki swan song. I think this is Tom Hiddleston's retirement from the Marvel Universe. So what I think is going to happen um, yes. is that there's there's a couple of... Would you like to hear my possibilities, Michael? Because I was giving Oh, some, fan theories. Okay, yeah, let's thought. set ourselves... Ben, we'll yes. call this new segment setting ourselves up for disappointment yeah because we do it every week anyway with all the other yeah yeah, yeah. let's do it let's do it um one of the things i thought that was very funny is the the red devil stained glass and the thing that looked an awful lot like mephisto it looked like mephisto Uh, (laughs) it looked an awful lot like mephisto and owen wilson goes and says oh it's a devil bearing gift so i'm going to call it here while jerry seinfeld's going to appear in this (laughs) as the alternate loki um and that's what we're going to deal with um in actual fact, Michael, I think we're going to find out that the TVA is corrupt. I think we're mm. going to find out that um, the the boys at the top, those three gods or whatever they are, celestial beings, I think they're not so good. Um, mm, I think they're not so existing. Uh, oh, also very good. Perhaps the entire narrative, Michael, is not so good. Because the Minutemen, Michael, mm-hmm. look a little bit fascist. A little bit fascist. A little bit fascist. In their black uniforms. A little bit fascist. And their extreme measures, um, also vaporizing people because they didn't take a ticket, Michael. I mean, a yes, little bit fascist. Yes, but Benjamin, the thing is, 99.99% of the people who end up there do get vaporized anyway. Yeah. that's the whole point of that place. Yeah, it's to remove the variants. That's true. Yeah, exactly. True. So what else was going to happen to that guy? But I think, Michael... That we're going to find out the TBA ain't so great, and we're possibly going to see Loki and Owen Wilson take it down from the inside, oh. um, which may cause ripples, which may cause other movies to spin out of it, unconsciously spin out of it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think we're going to be able to reference, oh well, the Time Variance Authority's collapsed, so now we all have to deal with this shit because that doesn't make any sense, Michael. As you said, no, that's you a, haven't seen that's it. That's a big gamble. Yeah, that's a big gamble. And um, yeah, do you think there's a Lady Loki? Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? That's what a lot, lots of people are saying, Ben. I'd watch the fuck out of that. Yeah, there might be a Lady Loki. I mean, I'm going to watch the fuck out of this show anyway, Michael. But like, I would, I would very much enjoy that. Um, I'd also like to see Tom Hiddleston have a go at Tom Hiddleston. I'd like to see. Do you know what I'd like to see, Michael? And this is just a, a complete flash a, thought, so it could be an all-white version of Loki, and then they have a conversation about the ship of Theseus, and Idris Elba plays him. <laughs> he's all white he's chalky white 
Um, Chalky white flavor. Um, it's done. <laughs> done. Uh, no, what I would like to see, Michael, is I would like to see another variant of Loki from a later time in the timeline. Um, Isn't that what we're getting? Isn't that who he's hunting? Yeah, but we don't know if it's early Loki, earlier mm. Loki, or later Loki. I would like to see a Loki post Ragnarok variant. Um, that's doing a little bit of heroics, Michael, and trying to stop the TVA. And new Loki, who's like, what do you mean you don't want power? And he's like, mm. well, brother, you learn. Or, well, me, you learn. And it'll Cause, be... Because he's getting all those... It can't be Idris Elba. He plays Heimdall. He plays Heimdall. That would be too confusing. He's gathering up those things, Ben. He's gathering up the timeline replacers. Uh, the, the, the charge? The, the he, bomb? They have a charge that wipes out errant branches of the timeline, Ben. Yeah, just gives them an hour, scrub it up. Yeah, and hopefully they use that on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 6 and 7. But, Benjamin, in the meantime, <laughs> take that yeah. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, did you notice the, the... Actually, funnily enough, there's a really brief moment, Michael, and I was wondering if they were going to talk about it, where Coulson dies. Yes. And he goes, I, I, I yeah. was wondering if they're going to, you know, you failed there. Yeah, and I he, thought they he might. Was, he was, they didn't, because it doesn't exist, because they just don't want to acknowledge that fucking they show. Absolutely worst out of that one. <laughs> especially, Ben. Especially when there's a scene where it asks, are you sure you're not a robot? And oh. as you well know, that is what happened to Agent Coulson in the end. Anyway, look, listen, Ben. He seems to be gathering up all of those, presumably to wipe out a full timeline. So perhaps it's a Loki from an entirely different timeline, Ben. I know. Well, I mean, there's another bloody interesting thing that we could see, mm. Uh, mm. Michael, isn't it? It's bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I'm looking forward to it. What we might do over the course of the next couple of weeks is we might we might publish a little who is this variant of Loki, and we'll have a look at the comics oh, and very see good. if there's People any interesting. People will like that. People will like that, Michael. They get a little bit of informative content for them during the week. Anyway, Michael, I'll be watching the next episode. I thought it was great. I think it's probably the strongest start of any of the Marvel TV shows so far. Um, I was hook, line and sinker in it to win it from the beginning. Enjoyed it thoroughly, despite our little criticisms here and there. I am looking forward to a bit more action, Ben. I thought there was a lot of talk, a lot of scene setting. It was good talk and scene setting, but I'm looking forward to something happening. Yeah, I think the timey-wimey stuff was really good for action sequences, though. We got to see that played around with a good bit. I quite enjoyed mm. that. Um, also, the pettiness of Loki when he just keeps sending your one backwards in the loop. He's like... Eh. Yeah. Uh, I look. I enjoyed it, Michael. Um, I think Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson could be the new bromance. I think they have excellent chemistry together. I think. I think it's going to be very good. And Benjamin, I'm going to get my first Owen Wilson action figure. Yeah, isn't that exciting? Very huh? exciting. Very huh? exciting, Ben. He has a funny nose. I'm. I'm still waiting for the Steve Zizou action figure set from Wes Anderson. I would buy I the fuck out exists, of every last ben. one of them. I think that exists already. I think you might be onto something there. Something which already exists. Oh, excellent! I love being onto things like that. Uh, so, Michael. Yes, Benjamin. Criticism's a weird thing, isn't it? We sit here and pontificate on things every week. Everyone's a fucking cricket, Ben. <laughs> Everyone's a cricket. That is the name of this episode. It's been decided. You're um, very welcome. That's, that's excellent. Well done. I'm going to write that down as we speak. Michael, you yes. came to me on your doorstep yeah. after I mm-hmm. had come to you. Um, yes. And you said to me, wouldn't it be cool to do an episode on the way the criticism has changed? And I mm. said, what the fuck do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then, then I said, said Ben, <laughs> I don't really know, to be honest with you. I don't really know what I mean. And you know what, Ben? I still don't know if I have a point here. This is going to be I a great think, podcast. I think this is going to be a very weak podcast. But Ben, I think the <laughs> long and short of this podcast is 
Um, okay, here's a bit of background, right, Benjamin? I have watched and yeah. thoroughly enjoyed the TV show The Nevers. Oh, wow, okay, you watched the whole thing. I've watched the whole thing, all six episodes of season one of The Nevers, Ben, and I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. It's probably my favourite show so far of this year, and that's including WandaVision, Ben, and The Boys, and was The Boys last year or this year? It was last um, year. But Yeah, I think it was. But I'm, I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it, Ben, and I've been reading a lot of the criticism of it. Go on. And the criticism, Ben... I found it very interesting criticism. Go on now, tell Um, me more. Because, first of all, when you're talking about criticism, Ben, there is the the age-old issue of separating the art from the artist. Okay. So a lot of modern criticism of The Nevers is not criticism of the show The Nevers. It's criticism of the not-very-pleasant person Joss Whedon. Yeah, big old, big old big old dickhead Whedon, yeah. He sounds like he might be a bit of a dickhead. Having said that, though, Ben... Go on. Even though he might be a bit of a dickhead, mm-hmm. and there are certainly a lot of actors who thoroughly dislike him, mm-hmm. he also seems to have a very loyal group of actors who will be in absolutely anything he makes no questions asked. Yeah, because they need the money, Michael. Is it, though? Um... Or do they... You know, well, Give me some I examples mean... here, Michael. Come on. Well, you, you have, for example, Olivia Williams... Don't know who that is. She's a British actress, Ben. She played L- Lady Olivia Bidlow in The Nevers, the lady in the wheelchair. Oh, yeah. Okay. I do know her. A- and she played practically the same character in Dollhouse, where she, she was the, the madam of the dollhouse. Um, so, you know, the, you have your Alan Tudjik's Ben, who comes back for anything Joss Whedon does. Is he in The Nevers? No, he's not in the Nevers. Well, then he's not in everything Joss Whedon bloody does, is he? There's only been six episodes so far. He plays, I bet he plays a, a mad variant never at some point who... I wouldn't be even remotely surprised, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Or like, there's there's going to be spoilers for the nevers in this discussion. But anyway... Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody w- cares, Michael. <laughs> that's the interesting thing. I don't get why no one cares because it's a very good show. It's one of the most inventive and interesting shows on TV at the moment. And, see, yeah. That's the Go problem, on. Michael, though. Our society is dictated by people. The auteur theory has come full foul. Um, so you you once mentioned on this podcast, Michael, and I thought it was a brilliant uh, statement to make. You don't agree with the auteur theory, the great auteur theory of directors and things like that. And it's true because a lot of the time there's an entire team behind that auteur uh, or director or something like that that makes the thing happen. Um, right. I don't remember saying that, but it sounds plausible. You you did, uh, and it was it was an excellent point. It made me really rethink the idea of uh, ge- singular genius in arts, and it's it's a complete fallacy because if you actually look at that, a lot of the time when cinematography is plays, uh, praised in a film or something like that, it's more like someone who Roger Deakins, who's head of cinematography, as opposed to the actual director. But anyyway, Michael. But anyway, right, right, right. Yeah, that sounds like my philosophy. But anyway, yes. However, the rest of Western civilization, I can't speak to the other ones because I'm not part of them, but the no. the ones that we're Although, plugged into. You've got a pretty good in with Filipino society. <laughs> I now. do now, yeah. <laughs> um, so the the auteur theory is that, you know, there are there are singular beings of greatness and they make great art um, and that's who they are as people. Unfortunately, Michael, in mm. investing in that theory, we very much tie the value of work produced by those people to what we think of those people. Right. Um, so we, we see this happen all over the place, Michael, where our society 
in the beginning of the twenty uh, of the two thousands, we saw a lot of people, you know, looking at at problematic. Sorry, at the beginning of the twenty tens, we saw a lot of people looking at problematic TV shows. Go on. And the things that we didn't like about our favorite TV shows, it might be a trope like, um, you know, victimizing women as motivation for their characters or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Or now, friends, Ben. Or friends, which is very problematic, Michael. Where yeah. where are the gay characters? Where are the people of color? Where where are the weird condemning of Joey's oddly manipulative tactics to get laid? Um, Everyone is white, Ben, in the world of friends. Yeah, everybody's white. There are no black people in New York, which is categorically untrue, Michael. Um, but anyway, we used to target the show. But I think what we've seen, Michael, in, in the late uh, 2010s and now in the 2020s... Um, is we've seen a transition to uh, problematic auteurs or problematic mm. writers or problematic uh, things. And we've tied the value of a work to the person who created it. The interesting thing about Joss Whedon, Ben, is, and, you know, this isn't a defense of Joss Whedon because I think he's probably a prick. I, um, I think he's more than likely a prick, yes. I think he's almost certainly a prick. Having said that, though, still hasn't been accused of anything untoward. Which no, I think he's is just, in, he's just unpleasant. He's, he's just, just an a asshole. Prick. <laughs> he's just hard to work with. Um, but famously, so were a lot of uh, directors. Pick, who was the one who em. made people mad? Who did uh, Apocalypse Stanley Now? Stanley Kubrick. And he nearly killed everyone. Stanley Kubrick's a big prick. No, that was Brian De Palma who did Apocalypse Now. Um, famously, oh no, wait, hang on, I need to look that up. I think it was Stanley Kubrick. Mm, anyway, Ben, look, here's here's where I'm going, right? One of the interesting things about Joss Whedon that makes him a bit of an exception to what you've just said is Buffy made such a splash and made such a big deal of his name. Francis Ford Coppola. Ah, the L's FFC. FFC. Benjamin, I don't think there's anyone in television who has such a lasting legacy of people reviewing something that he's made as the newest thing from Joss Whedon. There are in cinema, for sure, Zacharin Snyder, your favourite author, Zacharin Snyder. One of the most interesting things, Ben, is I haven't seen a single review of The Nevers that isn't about Joss Whedon. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not a review of the Nevers. It's a comparison to his previous efforts, yep. and it's a it's talk like who Ben who is the author behind Carnival Row? Great question, Michael. I don't know. Haven't a fucking breeze. Very similar type of show. Very, you know, supernatural Victorian shenanigans yeah. with strong female leads and the supernatural mingling with the normal. I would love to see a Carnival Row season two. I don't think we're ever going to get it. Likely to get a uh, uh, fucking the Never season two, to be honest, than a than a Carnival Row season two, because I think which is very sad. Why? Because I really liked Carnival. I Row. really like the Nevers, <laughs> though. This is the amazing thing. So <laughs> the other interesting thing, Ben, is once Buffy hit, like Buffy has Buffy has a lasting place in popular culture, Ben. Like it's yeah. it's seminal. But it is. It wasn't always. It wasn't born seminal. When it no, it became seminal, Michael. It earned its place. But that's that's my interest. That's the point. I I kind of have that has been 
bothering me, not so much bothering me, it's the interesting point that if you go back, Ben, and you read reviews of Buffy from the time of Buffy, it's okay. mixed to popular. So, okay. you know, user reviews, there were big Buffy stands, as you would call them these days, and there were the very first beginnings of Buffy fan websites and stuff like that. But there yeah. is a lot less popular public person on the street criticism available from back then so most yeah because we didn't have youtube or imdb or or podcast or podcast the podcast sure look sure listen for example so yeah if taking a pop of culture once a week every, every week, week. Ben, if you go back and you look at the early buffy reviews it's mostly stuff like yeah. it's bright and breezy and fine and fun and you know Girl power, that's good, isn't it? It's about time and yeah. so on. But <laughs> women deserve a fair but shake. But it's not all glowing. And to go back, like if you read the Guardian's review of Buffy from 1997, Ben, let me tell you, they weren't yeah. that interested. They probably no. weren't. And now, Michael, what you'll see once a month is a bloody retrospective on exactly, Buffy. Exactly, Ben. You in know, the Guardian. How it changed television. Yes. Yeah, in, in the Guardian. In the Guardian. Yeah, yeah. And then, Ben. Yeah, the, yeah. the the incredible irony of it is on the next week's ep- issue episode of the Guardian, they'll review issue issue Michael. yeah it's a edition I believe is the right word <laughs> edition you're right we're both wrong yeah. and you're right so yeah in the next edition you'll read a scathing review of the Nevers that reads like it could have been a review of Buffy from 1997. So you're looking at the cyclical nature of criticism, Michael. Is that, is that what you're I, I don't know where I'm landing. Well, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if I have a point. I, I thought uh, when, I, when we started talking about this, I thought a point was going to coalesce. But a point hasn't coalesced. But it hasn't. Because then it might just be that the Nevers is not as good as Buffy. Um, I actually think okay. in many, many cases, the Nevers season one is better than Buffy season one. Hands down. Because Buffy season one like, was, you know, nascent. It was a nascent babe of a show. And also Joss Whitten didn't know what he was doing as well as he knows what he's exactly. doing in, like in the, the Nevers season The visuals, like the characterization, the development, yeah. everything about the Nevers season one is better than Buffy season one, especially the first six episodes. Yeah. But you yeah. wouldn't think that to read criticism. So, Ben, look, I've devised a little game for you, right? Go on. I've got some quotes here. I've got some quotes, right? Yeah. These are quotes from reviews. And I'm yeah. going to read them out to you. And I would like you to tell me which Joss Whedon show you think they are in reference to. Very good. Benjamin, do you need me to list the Joss Whedon shows? Uh, no, I know them. Go on, list them, them then. Uh, bloody Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Uh, Dollhouse. Yeah. Angel. Yes. The Nevers. Yes. Bloody star, star uh, what was it? Firefly? Firefly. Yeah. I've left out Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because Good, it's shit. <laughs> That's the first quote. Good, because it's shit. Ben Colopy 2020. Which show is it in relation to? <laughs> no, all right. Here we go, go right? On. Here we go, yeah. right? So I'm going to read this out to you and you're going to tell me which show it's related to. And then you tell me, if you can't get it, you can ask for the year of the review. Excellent. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Ben, do you want me to do a critic's voice? Yes, do a critic's voice. 
<laughs> the brilliance of Joss Whedon's funny, tragic synthesis of most film and TV genres, literary conceit, and pop culture tropes remains undimmed. Mm, Dollhouse. No. It's not from Dollhouse, Benjamin. Think about it. Don't just say something dumb. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much the entire nature of my podcasting persona. <laughs> just say something dumb. Just say something dumb. <laughs> just react off the cook for something dumb. Uh, okay, so the the literary... Okay. The brilliance of Joss Whedon's funny, tragic synthesis of most film mm. and TV genres, literary conceits, and pop culture tropes remains undimmed. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, it's a good review, isn't it? Well, no, it's a bit sycophantic, but uh, it's probably... <laughs> Great listening, this, Ben. Tropes. I'll tell you, Ben, it's from 2017, this review. Oh! Um, I don't know. I don't know what came out. That's a, Benjamin, that is a 2017 review from The Guardian of Buffy Season 1. What? Yeah. They tricked me, the bastards. They've tricked you. Well, they haven't, Ben, because it's in the byline for them. I've somewhat tricked you. Are you ready for the second one, Ben? Come on. The results are mighty ragged in the season opener. The show takes strange shifts in tone. The dialogue isn't campy enough. And the violence grows tiresome. Firefly. That, Ben, is a review of Buffy from 1997. (laughs) Benjamin have a go at this one have a go have a go at this one but it could tightened and focused be so much more (laughs) Philippa Goslett it's over to you can yet another woman clear up yet another man's mess that has to be dollhouse doesn't it (laughs) no that's the nevers for fuck's sake Benjamin, you suck at this game. No, I don't. I just hate Joss Whedon and don't give a shit about the shows that he makes. <laughs> Very good. Benjamin. Go on. Try this one. Try this, this one. This is a stupid game. Go on. This is a great game. The <laughs> listeners will be really enjoying you making an absolute balls of it. And, ben, and this one has week. one of your catchphrases. Go on. Um, and there are, here and there... Attempts to give their adventures touches of rollick and merriment. They don't always work. Firefly. Benjamin! Yeah. You've got a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. That is that is a review, Ben, of um Firefly from two thousand two. Okay. That makes sense. Firefly Firefly Ben, the absolute revered sci fi classic Firefly. Was not very well received in 2002. No, that's why I only got season one, Michael. <laughs> I know. Half of season one. It starts off, Benjamin. Go on. It actually says Benjamin in the review. Okay, yeah. It starts off, Benjamin, for the first few episodes, you son of a bitch, as a fairly standard adventure of the week. Okay. But then a larger story arc kicks in and all bets are off, which makes the whole experience incredibly satisfying and complex. It's just describing good writing. That's not- <laughs> <laughs> but which show is it then? Uh, Dollhouse. It is Dollhouse, and that's yeah. a review of Dollhouse in two thousand and nine. Yeah. So yeah, I don't like I said, I don't really Benjamin. Go on. Nobody is likely to take this oddball camp exercise seriously. Though the violence can get decidedly creepy. Ooh. Uh, 
Buffy, I guess, is it? Yeah, that's from Buffy. Yeah. That's from 1997. That's a 1997 review of Series 1 of Buffy from go. the New York Times. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So anyway, my main point is, it's it's history's repeating itself. It's critics hate them. They get cancelled. Eight years later, you will get glowing reviews, not only from the public. Okay. But also from the the same, not the same critics, because I imagine the critics will have a bit of decorum and stick to their guns, but from the people coming up beneath those critics. So what I'm saying is basically in 2035, Go on. there's going to be someone writing for The Guardian saying The Nevers was the best show that never got its shot. Get out of town. I'm, that's what I'm saying. They will. It, that is inevitably what's going to happen. It could be you, Michael, after you've taken up your position as head writer at The Guardian. And Ben, I'll be doing that voice the whole time and I'll insist on dictating everything. Yeah, that'll be good. While smoking big cigars. People, people will thoroughly enjoy it. People will thoroughly enjoy it, Michael. That'll be good. Michael! Ben, yes? Go on, go on, go on. I was going to ask you if you had any thoughts on... Because this is where, other than my main point being the Nevers is quite good, leave it alone. <laughs> where where it seemed this seemed to be going was on the, what's the word I'm looking for? Popularization is the wrong word. The availability of being a critic to the public. I think that's any thoughts on. I that think bit? that shifted massively, Michael, in the in the realm of Twitter and. Uh, basically the online world because you have like specialized uh publications now michael that kind of you know tout themselves as experts in a certain genre so you're looking at the likes of gizmodo or cbr or i don't know take a pick of any of them really um video games video games like ign exactly and a lot of these things started out as as very grassroots movements michael like they were you know they were reviews by fans for fans um and their expertise were less born out of uh, an education and criticism and more of a, I've played a lot of video games. I know what I'm talking about. I've read a lot of comics. I know what I'm talking about. Um, oh. But the the great failure of that, Michael, is the availability of those critics through the likes of Twitter, Instagram, etc., etc. It, it's the same with authors, Michael. It's kind of interesting. Like you hear every once in a while about, you know, certain comic book authors getting death threats because they made Captain America a Nazi. Uh, for mm-hmm. a story arc or something like that I think the propensity towards arguing your corner as opposed to taking on different perspectives has probably dominated much of our criticism today um, I think it works for clickability if you make a big broad statement stand your ground don't give in even though you might be confronted with a much better argument for something and I think that dominates 90% of our discourse especially around criticism today that's very interesting Ben so do you have a criticism do you have a better criticism of the nevers that might change my mind other than just going just reading this shit I hate the nevers yeah no I don't but I I don't stake my reputation on that at any point and I don't make my living off this podcast thank god Um, imagine Ben (laughs) but um, I, I quite enjoyed episode one of the nevers Hmm. You'll you'll recall I watched before you did yeah bloody you did you recommended to me young... you said have you seen it and I said I haven't even heard of it Ben yeah so there you go um and I probably won't watch the rest of Michael because I don't know if I was all that intrigued by it but it was good but Benjamin yeah just like Dollhouse and um well Dollhouse is the big one episode six is a revelation of an episode oh does it is big twisty turny boy 
it's an enormous turn, Ben. It's an it's a turn, which is ironic because that's the word they use in the show for people's powers. But it's a turn of the magnitude of the season finale of season one of Dollhouse, Ooh. where we're we're treated to a post apocalyptic world where everyone has been mind wiped because of the Dollhouse. Ah, oh, it's a Whedon classic, isn't it? It is a Whedon classic. That's what I'm saying, and I think it's going to. Um, Dollhouse Ben was rounded on. Critics hated Dollhouse for a couple of reasons. The first reason. Episodes one to four are kind of crap. They are <laughs> okay, not good. They're enough. boring episode of the week. A lot of it hangs on Eliza Dushku's ability to be a different person every week. Did you say and the Nevers or Dollhouse? Dollhouse. Okay, sorry, I missed that. My, my brain just, uh, just yeah, sketched season, that. Episode one, to, episode one to four of Dollhouse are pretty hard going because they hang on Eliza Dushku and they might as well have called the first couple of episodes of Dollhouse the Isn't Eliza Dushku Pretty Show. Because she's not going to be amazing anyone with her ability to become these different characters. No, she's not. She's, she's no bloody orphan black, I'll tell you that much. She's no Tatiana Maslana. And, you know, did we talk about this? Did I talk to you about... We, we've like, had personal conversations about this. Have we had we've this never conversation done an episode. about... Though we probably should right. do an orphan black retrospective now that she's going to be in She-Hulk. Yeah, we probably should. And apparently it's a good show. I've only made it through one season and I got a bit bored with it. Um, it's because you've seen Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. Um, it's a certain irony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, what was I saying? Um, yeah, it turns out it has a big twist and a lot of people missed the big twist. And the other criticism it had, Ben, was that it was creepy and that, um, you know, these dolls were sex slaves and they'd given up and that's not something to be promoted. No, but, but it is very Joss Whedon. <laughs> but that's what the show, but the show was about how bad that was. Yeah, it wasn't that was exactly. the whole point yeah. of the show. Yeah. The whole point of the show was, isn't this bad? Look at this let's predatory behavior. Yeah, let's hope that our main characters can put it. It's like, it's like, and I've stolen this from someone, so I do apologize. But it's like complaining that George Orwell's 1984 is a book about the benefits of big government watching everything we do. Oh, yeah, what a great book. Let's bloody do that. Yeah, let's do that. Because, you know, you can't write about something without condoning, without condoning it that's the right word yeah you can't write about something without condoning yes it. To, to, to write about it michael is to give it virtue um yes ha- hashtag not um but i think we run into that issue all the time michael i think and that's a classic issue with criticism it's just missing the fucking mark by a country mile on occasion um look at your likes of of um i i think that's one of the the few roles that criticism still is really you know useful for because if you look at things like fight club or you look at things like Joker from with Joaquin Phoenix. A lot of people watch that and miss the point. Mm. Um, like a lot of people watch Fight Club and go, oh, Tyler Durden's so cool. Tyler Durden's a piece of shit. Um, he's a piece of shit. Babe. He's not a good person. He's an overly cynical piece of shit. And it's it's a missed mark. People look at Joker and go, oh, what a sympathetic portrayal of men. No, <laughs> it's a portrayal of entitlement and a bloody indictment of a poor me- a mental health system. But at no point do you go, yeah, look at Joker's season power for the people. He's not. <laughs> That's every, not <laughs> every country should have a terrible mental health system. That's not what he's doing. Then we'd all be Joker. Uh, exactly. A lot of people watch those shows and or watch those movies and, and watch certain shows and they go, oh, how relatable. Um, look at this anti-hero. No, the Joker is not an anti-hero. He is an out and out villain. He's the baddie. <laughs> He's, He's the, the baddie. baddie. Tyler Durden is baddie. not an anti-hero. He's an out and out villain. He treats people He's like shit. He violently assaults things. And he does a murder. He treats women like crap. Um, it's not good. And I think criticism can help if you're inclined to read it and say, 
well, actually, it's supposed to be a critique of da 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 da. However, in the modern society, Michael, as we put it, as I said earlier, it's more about fighting your corner now. So you decide that Joaquin Phoenix is a hero. Mm. And you decide that anyone who says that. Say again? Decide that you like the show The Nevers. Yeah. And then you say, well, everyone else is wrong and I'm right. And that's the wrong position to take. But we tend, Michael, the, the, the position of critic in modern society does not exist. Um, what we have now is an ocean of opinion. Um, everyone's a cricket. And everyone's a cricket. And you have to pick the opinion that you like. Look, ladies and gentlemen, we're way over time. What do you Let's think? Wrap it up. What do you think as you listen to two men behave like critics on a show once a week? Um, what did we miss? What do you think of criticism in the 21st century? Um, let us know what you think in a couple of different places. You can find us online at www.shomrabeug.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It kind of means tiny room in Irish. Sort of, maybe a little bit. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, at Shomrabeug. Same spelling. Same meaning. Very good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, get up there on that Twitter to have live and in-charge conversations with us. Just tweet at us, at Listenshire. Um, give us some ideas for future shows. Let us know what you think of critics. Joss Whedon, bad egg? Question mark. Uh, give us all of that lovely little information. Um, if you haven't had enough of us this week, ladies and gentlemen, if you hadn't had look, uh, enough of Loki this week, you can check out our book club podcast, Collecting Issues, uh, where this very Wednesday we'll be taking a look at Thor, Blood Brothers, uh, which is an interesting little investigation of the brotherly love, or lack thereof, between Thor and Loki. Um, join us next week, ladies and gentlemen, where we will have a guest... A guest. We'll have a bloody guest. Um, a guest, is it? Good friend of the podcast, Connor, will be on this very podcast talking to us about fantasy literature, Michael. Um, what separates the wheat from the chaff? What makes a good fantasy novel or piece Benjamin, of fiction? Yes. I'll tell you this now for nothing. I'm not fucking reading Dragonlance. You're not reading Dragonlance, Michael. No, we're going to listen to Connor, who's probably read Dragonlance. All right, um, good. Because I'm not reading it. I don't care. <laughs> so get in touch with us, ladies and gentlemen. Talk to us about that as well. Uh, let us know what you think makes a fantasy novel any good at all. And what you think absolutely ruins them. What makes them dreck? What makes them a bloody Dragon's Lance? Um, I think Dragonlance is pretty popular Yeah, it doesn't matter It uh, doesn't, doesn't matter, matter. What makes it That's it from us ladies and gentlemen Sure look, sure listen, bye bye Sure look, sure listen, that's it Now I'm not reading it, I don't care